You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. This is the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with me, Michael Philpott, and I'm really super excited for today's guest. We're going to have a great show. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and we're going to talk about beliefs, being a whole bunch of, of great stuff. We're going to empower you, we're going to inspire you to, to be all your authentic self today. So it's a really a pleasure. Uh, Granddaughter Crow, before we get going, I always like to start the show off just to say thanks to my listeners. Um, and also to all my listeners, you could also watch the video on YouTube. So I do have a YouTube channel I'm trying to grow it. So if you could hit that likes button, subscribe, leave some comments, that would be fantastic. You're also going to catch it on Rumble. I'll start posting on Rumble too as well. And of course, all my Spotify listeners in Apple, if you like to leave a five star on Apple, that would be fantastic and write a little comment. Beautiful. Appreciate that. And also, too, if you'd like to sponsor the show, uh, again, this is 100% funded by you, the listener. So I'd always, um, excuse me, appreciate little donations to help out on the show. That would be great to keep the show airing and keep it going. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. That was a mouthful there. Let me have a drink here. <laughs> so Granddaughter Crow, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I have been checking out your show. I love the energy that you bring. So just to echo what Michael said, I would actually say, hey, if you have a friend that could expand their mind and, and meditation and, and, and oh, empowerment, send it to them, let them check it out. So yeah, let's, let's go and grow and share and spread the love. Yeah, I really love that. And that's one thing I really I was really happy when I got your book from your publisher. And uh, the idea about inspiring people and empowering people, I'm all about that. And just talking about that, I get goosebumps. Literally, I'm just like literally getting goosebumps thinking about that. And I love people who, who go through their own struggles, who do their to go through life, and they get those bits of wisdom, and they empower people to use that. And one of the things I know we talked, uh, you talked about in your book is about your own past and your own struggles and stuff like that. So one of the things I was always curious about, Granddaughter Crow, how did you yes. get that name, Granddaughter Crow? I love that question. So I am born, uh, so I will say formally, Ya'ate'e. I am born to the Bilagana clan from the Ta'achini clan. I am a member of the Navajo Nation as well as Dutch Heritage. My father is Navajo, full blood, and um, his father, a medicine man. There's a lot of medicine people in my lineage. And uh, his father, who passed away when my dad was but 14, 15 years old. So I never got to meet him in the physical realm, but that doesn't mean I didn't get to meet him. So the beauty is, is that... Um, one day I was in my adulthood and I started listening to drums and I started kind of going into a trance. Before I knew it, I was in another place on in the desert 
with this Hogan. And there was this man teaching me his wisdom. So I spent time with him almost every day for years. And one day he left and I was like, who was that man? And it hit me. That was my grandfather. And so my name is, I am named after him because he danced with the crows and the ravens. Like if you can visualize a Navajo man in the early 1900 dancing around like with the crows and the ravens and the wisdom and the medicine of the crow and the raven is magic and the ability to rise above situations and to go into the darkness of the void to find those hidden treasures and bring them to light. And so I am granddaughter crow, which is really kind of auspicious because a lot of I am considered an elder in in uh, the tribal ways. And uh, so a lot of people will say, well, when are you going to change it to grandmother crow? Because we need to honor you. And I'm like, oh, ho, ho, ho. you don't understand my 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 vibe at all. I'm granddaughter crow because I learned from my grandfather and that keeps me humble. And now I have younger people than me calling me granddaughter, which makes me laugh and empowers them so here I am. <laughs> that, that's amazing. I really like that. So what are the things that your grandfather was teaching you during those times? You know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of it uh, honestly wasn't like you would go to school here and learn. It was like um, a lot of telepathy going on in that realm between yep. me and him. And he would show me things like, let's grow corn. He would show me the seeds. He would show me the ground. He would show me the sunlight. He would show me the air. He would dig, he would plant them. He would dig a little trench around them. He would collect the rain and he would show them as, as we grow. And he, in that simplicity, what he was saying is you have talent, you have resources, you have tools, not just me, Everyone, where do you want to plant your energy so that it can grow? And yeah. so put them in the ground. And as you nurture it, you don't see the bearing the bearings of that fruit. You have to wait and you have to be patient and you have to trust. And there's and then it's like, and then it grows and you need to protect it. But then it grows like uh, it turns from a child into a teenager, a teenager into an adult, which is very independent. And then it turns into the elder with the corn pollen, which is interdependent because it's about in our elderhood that we actually find a lot of our true family and friends that we lean on and they lean on us. It's not always our, our biological place or social economic background. It's, it's in that. So in... And him planting and showing me corn growing, he showed me how to be a baby with a new idea and how to depend on the sunlight and the water and depend on things and then grow into independence and then grow into interdependence and that there are four stages of life. So it was very like, it's, it's not in the mind, it was in the blood that he was showing me these things. And it was like, I would look at something and I'd be like, I get it. I get the wisdom of the natural world. And so I guess 
it's funny because I learned all of this from him and I can't tell you, but he gave me principles. He gave me guidance. And he told me that your greatest teacher is the natural world. That is our teacher. And if you have a problem, you take a walk and say, I need natural world. How do I handle or act or react in this problem? And inevitably you, something will catch your eye. Maybe it's a tree and you look at the tree and you say, how did you, you know, go move through the winds of your life? And the tree said, it was the winds that made me strong. And in the fall, I need to lose my old ideas. In the spring, I need to have new ideas. Stand tall. It takes time to grow a tree. And then I'm like, oh, I need to slow down. I get it. So I have a million of those. But it it kind of was more like he woke up an inner dialogue and an inner wisdom, not just from my Native American bloodline, but from our collective ancestors, no matter where on the globe you were, you know, uh, where our ancestors came from, we inevitably, all of our ancestral clans sat in a circle, worked with Mother Earth, sat with a fire, and had a community, a tribe. So it's like waking up that natural wisdom. So where do you think we we uh, kind of got separated from that type of knowledge? Where do you think we happened? Like, you know, all of a sudden it's like we were so in tune. We were, we were uh, there was this interconnectedness. And then all of a sudden we develop into these crazy humans that are happening today. So how did we, how do we, you know, kind of fall from grace to kind of put that sure. in that way? Yeah, no, I love that question. I will give you um, a very weird answer and then i will answer it from I, another perspective you can give weird this is a weird channel don't worry we i like love to, that uh, we like the woo woo into this channel too as well i'm so. gonna bring it i'm gonna yeah. bring it so in your physical body you have not separated from the wisdom of mother earth in your heart you have not separated from the wisdom of mother earth it is here in the head in the brain that's where we separated It is within our thinking. It is within our thinking that we made a disimbalance. We stopped adhering to the right hemisphere of creativity and intuition and following and trusting our dreams. And in the left hemisphere, we started looking for, oh, well, what can we do logically? Which is not bad. But then what happened was somewhere along the line, an idea came to the left hemisphere And that idea was, how can I, instead of work with, how can I have power and control over? And that idea spread in many, many ways through many, many cultures. And that idea still stands around where it's like, you're not allowed to think, you're allowed to do. Do not question authority. You must have faith. We don't need to prove it to you. Well, okay, that's good and all, but... After a while, you do need to show me some results here. I need to feel the love. You know, I need to see that. I need to feel that community. So oddly enough, I would have to say that it was within the mind that we disconnected. And that is solvable. And the concept that came in that said that we can, we can have power and control over more than what is ours that we get to rule over and lord over this i want more than my share attitude came in 
And then how do you keep the masses under control? You tell them, don't question me. I know what's right. Don't question me. You will get punished. This is the right way to go. Don't question me. So if you raise a bunch of people who aren't allowed to question, they'll just go along with it. And that's one of the points in my book. Start with a question. Please be curious and please ask questions because the creator that created me loves my questions, gave me yeah. the mind to be curious and to question. And, and any entity or concept or organization that does not allow questioning, I question them. Why? Why wouldn't you allow, if you have the answer, why am I not allowed to ask the question? Yeah, you know, that is that is like a, a nutshell of what's happening in society these days. More and more times, you cannot question authority. You cannot question any type of authority. And it, it's absolutely destroying us as humans. And sometimes I just see the separation and the pain and the suffering for not allowing to have your, your voice and to question that. So yeah. when did you start, you know, using that idea about questioning, you know, authority, thoughts, beliefs? When did that really, when did you, that light bulb switch for you? Um, I was 15 years old in my backyard and my mother said to me, um, I asked my mother, can I go roller skating tonight? Everybody's going to the roller skating rink. I love roller skating. Can I go to roller skating? And she said, pray about it. See, my mother and father actually met in seminary school, and they are both reverends wow. of the Christian faith. Wow. And they started out in a very um, denominational setting. And then they moved more into what people would call non-denominational into spirit-filled. But my mother was like, you need to pray about every single thing that you do. Well, at the age of 15, you get a little sassy every now and again. And those questions arise. And so I said to her, what? I said, yeah, I prayed about it. God said, yes. And she goes, what? And I said, all right, here's the deal. Are you going to pray that God comes down and ties your shoelaces? Or are you just going to thank him for giving you the mind and the hands to do it yourself? Sometimes we got to do things ourselves, And that gives honor to deity. And it was at that moment that um, the separation between me and my biological family happened, but it was at that moment I was like, I am going to start questioning. And I questioned my way out of that household. <laughs> That's a nice way to say that uh, they did not appreciate me challenging their belief system. And I can respect that. But they, out, you know, they kicked me out. I was 17 years old, just graduated from high school. And then I was like, I don't understand. So it was at that moment. So I went through this whole time of trying to figure out what is this? How come I'm not allowed to question? How come we're not having deep conversations? How come we're not allowed to say what we really think? And the answer that I got back from people at that time is, well, we don't think deep. You're not supposed to question. And I'm like, what happened to us? Yeah. And from there on, long story short, I went to college first night in college as an adult, uh, 30 years old. And there was Gen 101, Icebreaker. If you were to write a book, what would the title be? So we went around, took five minutes, and we started sharing. We started going around the class and this young man says, oh, I'd write a book on how to ski. 
And I was like, oh, he knows how to ski. Okay, if I want to talk to him, I could talk about skiing. And then this other lady, how to bake oatmeal cookies. And I'm like, oh no, I messed up. I went too deep again. I am such a fool. I went too deep again. And when they got to me, I had a moment where I was going to say how to roller skate, but I decided to be, I guess, courageous. And I said, I would write a book called Belief, Being, and Beyond. And they said, and what is that about? And I said, well, your belief system constitutes your behavior and your beingness within the world, but there's always something beyond that. Can't we continue to grow and learn? And nevertheless, a couple decades later, here it, it is, Leave Being and Beyond by Granddaughter Crow. And basically it is your journey to questioning ideas, to deconstructing concepts and to healing from harmful belief systems. Why do you think it's really important to think that, you know, or maybe let me just pull back a bit on this one. Why do you think, or maybe even that, okay, let me just try to reframe this because I'm, I got like a million questions I want to ask you about this. Where do you think we really get our belief system from? Is it society? Is it our family structure? Is it religion? Is there a variety of different things that are all kind of intermixing that, kind of give us this, you know, a little bit of here, a little bit of there, but is it the family structure first that we get our major beliefs from? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is um, on a macro and micro level, as far as who your family structure was, and we immediately will adopt their belief system because we're children. We are dependent. We are also not just dependent on them for food and clothing and housing. We're dependent on them for their social structure and how we're supposed to be in the world. But then, and then of course, on more of a macro level, they're influenced by society, you know, and society could be influenced by religion, could be influenced by science, could be influenced by, you know, wherever you land in the world. But at the end of the day, just like my grandfather showed me with the corn, you need to grow out of that, in, that dependency and into your independency. And in the independency, that is when you should have permission to ask questions and ask more questions. Actually, as children, we should be able to ask questions. And then as we move up, we start finding um, answers that resonate within our system, not just our mind. And like you said at the beginning, you said, I love talking about inspiring and empowering and encouraging that gives you your system chills. That's because it is part of your truth. So it's not, it's about stepping out of the mind and stepping into the body and into the heart and resonating with what works for you wherever you are. Okay. Yeah, that's so nice. That's so, uh, you know, I really love that. You know, it's amazing. You know, we, we've we really lost that ability and that courage to ask questions. So how would you think, how would we get that courage back to start mm -hmm. questioning things? As, a, as an adult, we do have that, we do have that luxury and that freedom for the most part. Um, but how do we gain that courage? What can we do to empower ourselves to actually start asking questions? I love it. Baby steps, people, <laughs> baby steps, and then it's contagious. So I believe that curiosity 
is our internal compass that was given to us by the divine, the universe, the creator, whatever you want to call it, curiosity is. And so how do you control the masses is you tell them not to be curious. So it's about being curious again. So how does take baby steps? Go to your closet, look at your clothes and see, ask your inner child, do I really like that? Or am I wearing that because I saw it in Vogue? Or am I wearing that because the people that I'm around say that this is cool and I'm not questioning it? So it starts with, do I like the way that I do my hair? Am I selecting the foods that I like to eat? Or is this just a, a pattern that I've been taught and I'm going about it like a sheeple, like a robot? So start questioning those little tiny things. What do I actually want to watch? What do I actually like to read? What do I actually like to listen to? And then it starts growing that it's that that curiosity wakes up. And then it's like, I want to take a class on meditation. I want to take a yoga class. Oh, I've always been curious about water ballet, painting, learning the metaphysical properties of stones, learning about aliens be you that's where your authenticity that's when it gets really contagious is when you start taking classes or you start subscribing to podcasts such as your own where there is this growth right there's this growth and then it gets more and more contagious take it in your own time and you will begin to change and you'll begin to be more authentic and i'll say two things about that michael yes being please. yeah being authentic is my way of saying thank you to the creator for creating me the way that I am okay. not correcting them and saying no I cannot be authentic I have to be this way you messed up I'm not supposed to be a painter I'm supposed to be a banker you know it's kind of like you can be both so I like to say that being who you are compliments and gives gratitude to that which created you authentically and then secondly, the more that you come out in this world as an authentic being, it gets contagious. People start going, you have a certain skip in your step. You have a certain tone in your voice. And people start wanting, what are you doing? It's just like, and you get to start saying, well, what do you want to do? Well, what do you want to see? Well, what do you like to eat? Think about it. And so it's, it's a beautiful dynamic of waking up. Yeah, I really like that. So how do we move past that? Because, you know, trying to be authentic sometimes, you know, a lot of people you can get punished for trying to be outside the normal, yes. you know, be that way, do that sort of thing. The You know, you get outside of what a comfort zone of, of other people, you start becoming authentic. authentic. And how do you not, you know, there's always going to be some person or somebody or family member that wants to kind of punish you and for some ways of trying to be authentic. So how do we move beyond that? Or how do we just adjust to that? Because, you know, sometimes that could be one of the stepping stones of not being authentic because that belief system that you have to be this person, you have to be the banker, you have to do this, you have to do that. So how do we, you know, because inadvertently, they're going to try to pull you down and, and punish you for trying to be your authentic self. Yeah, I know that oh so well and so for those of you who are listening this is a very important question because i understand 
that Michael is exactly right. In fact, if you don't get punished or pushback, you're probably not actually doing it to its fullest. That is almost inevitable. Um, I got uh, punished, pushback, ostracized, all of that because of that. And so I want to kind of give that, yeah, it is, it isn't just about, oh, well, I'm going to start doing this and think that everybody's going to come out okay. But it is a part about exercising your authenticity until you just are that. And then what I would say to that person that's at that stage, I would say, do you force people to be who they are not? And usually okay. the answer is no. Wow. I really like that. And then I'm like, when they question you, are they forcing you to be something that you're not? And the answer is yes. And then say, which one is healthier? Which one is healthier? As long, I mean, I'm authentic. Obviously, if you're seeing me on YouTube, I'm in my 50s. I got my pigtails and my my hat going on. And But I also do it because this is who I am. And when I walk into a room, people kind of look at me a little bit weird, you know, especially at Starbucks. They're like, what? But I walk into a, a you know, a, a shop or something like that. People kind of give me a second take. But at the end of the day, I've had enough people secretly come up to me and say, because you come out so authentic, it allowed me to be a little bit more authentic. So I would also say surround yourself with authentic people who support you to be yeah. who yeah. you are. Yeah, it's finding that tribe, your own community and building that too as well. And that's one of the things I've learned over the years is as you develop this, as you start to, uh, you know, slowly allow yourself, like you say, take those baby steps to, get, you know, get out of the shell. You know, for myself, I was I was really, really difficult for me to kind of start doing my spiritual journey and be public with it. It was always hidden. I always, you know, I always laugh like, you know, my friends say it, like I was like in the psychic closet, you know, I would, would allow, you know, to talk about, you know, God, creator, spirit, you know, talk about mediumship, psychic abilities, all that stuff. Like, you know, okay, Mike. Yeah, sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. And I was always afraid of doing that. And then one day I finally got over it. And I remember, it was this kind of interesting story. I was so still kind of worried about it thought how I'm going to make money how am I going to do this and I thought I had one foot still in the corporate world in my other job and one foot one baby tote in the water on this side and I remember one of my um one of my clients a good client you know had a lot of work with it he finally called me up and he says uh so Mike I hear you uh you're talking to dead people these days and I just like, I thought my, my heart just kind of jumped. I thought, oh my God, it's out. Uh, and then he, he went off and I realized I was in my own head. It was my own belief about myself right. that was getting in my way. And I realized that, and I was just like, wow, I was really, I was so, I was so paranoid and so petrified yeah. on that for people finding out. And now, I mean, like, it's like, yeah, this is what I do. You know, that's, you know, it finally got comfortable enough to say, this is the podcast that I do. This is the work that I do. This yeah. is what I really love to do. You know, that's, that's who me, that's always, and, but everybody says, you sure, sure. You don't want a corporate job. And I was like, I lasted three months in a corporate job. You know, the money was great. 
not going to lie. And the security was good because, you know, it's a, you know, regular paycheck. But oh, for the most yeah. part, I was, oh, I hated that job. I mean, that, I'm you know, at the time they fired my ass, which was fine. I, at the time, but it was at the time it was like, it's totally sucked. And I'm not going to lie about it, but afterwards I can look back and go, you know, that was the best thing. Cause I realized I hated it. I hate working for somebody else. It wasn't my authentic self. I couldn't shine. I just, yeah. it was all about numbers. And I just thought, you know what? Enough's enough. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I love that story because that echoes mine. I was in corporate America for a long time and um, I just started feeling like a puppet yeah. and it was really interesting. Um, I actually uh, had a couple of surgeries, which took me down for the count. Yeah. I read and, that in your book. Like that was, you had some crazy stuff going. Was it 2006, yeah. 2007? You know, he had a, yeah. all these things one after another, after another. Yeah. I um, popped my ACL. They uh, went in to repair it. Uh, I got a hematoma. They drained that, which basically means my leg was black and blue. Um, they went in and drained that. I contracted a staph infection of the blood, uh, which was so severe that they had to put in a pick line. And I was at the infectious disease clinic, IVs three or four times a day for like five weeks. And I didn't realize that I was on my deathbed until I went back to work and one of the assistants said, what you had and what you told me you had, do you know that nine out of 10 people die from that? We didn't think you were coming back. And I was like, wait, what? I was on my deathbed, didn't know. Nevertheless, pop my other one. I was down for like nine months, but see in that time, and I know there's gotta be a listener who is kind of like, I'm kind of going through hell right now. I yeah. can't get up, I can't, I'm sick. Take that downtime to listen, not to your head, but to your heart. Because remember, I said it is the head that disconnects us. It is a part of our thinking, which we can change. But in our heart and our body, I realized I was not happy. And I realized, oh, gosh, I don't want to be here. I'm dying. Like you said, I'm dying. And the next day or the next day, the next year, I opened up major consulting doing business as Granddaughter Crow in 2008. I did have to go to odds and end jobs till I got this one off up and running. And now this is who I am and what I do. And, and moreover to that point, I would say, if you believe, and we'll go back to the belief, yeah. if you believe that there is divine God, goddess, whatever, however it reveals itself to you, creator, what, however that reveals itself to you, if you believe that that made you authentic, then take the next step and ask it to show you where you belong in this world, because there is a place for you. Yeah, I like that. So one of the things, you know, you talked about is going into the heart. I know a lot of people right now are just really shut down. They don't know. It's like they don't have that wisdom or that knowledge to open that heart and listen. So how do we do that? How do we get back into, because that knowingness, that, that wisdom, that it's all in us, that it's just sitting there, but we can't access it. How do we, how do we access that? Yeah, I love that question. And I also want to kind of reinforce why you're asking that question. It's because 
we were told to take our heart out of society. Don't feel too much. You're being too sensitive. In fact, it wasn't until 1980 that uh, Daniel Goldman came out with a book called Emotional Intelligence for yeah. the Workplace. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Now we get to be emotional in the workplace. And actually the book is teaching us how to be emotionally intelligent. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I thought it was giving us permission. And slowly but surely we're starting to come into a little bit more of a time where emotion, sensitivity, and heart are accepted within the business place that is bled into a lot of religions you know, no, feelings can be worked with in the wrong way. They'll lead you to sin. So there's a lot of these pressures or in the family, maybe you are the oldest, or maybe you are biologically masculine, or maybe you are whatever. And you are told, don't cry. You're yeah. not allowed to have feelings, buck up, you know? And it's just like, so th there's a lot of messaging that tells us to shut down our heart. It was not a natural thing for us to do. So let's get back into our heart. So as long as you are not driving, I am going to invite you to do this exercise with me. Yeah. Place your fingertips together, thumb to thumb, index to index, all the way through to the pinky. And then we're going to do a little breathing. We're going to inhale through the nose for a moment. Hold that breath within you and exhale through the mouth. Then inhale through the nose. Hold that and exhale through the mouth. Continue to do this. Find your own rhythm. Find your own timing and relax one more time now i'm going to invite you to take your hand or hands and place it over your physical heart and i want you to either internally or with your hands externally feel it beating It's beating, it has a rhythm, it's alive. Now I'm gonna invite you to give it a voice, maybe a song. Does your heart sing? Does it have a voice? Give it permission to tell you something. And continue to breathe again, listen to your heart. Maybe you get an image, maybe you get a word. And you can do this exercise at any time, but I'm gonna bring you back now. If you got a picture, if you got a word, take three actions each day to support that picture or that word that's how you start listening to your heart letting it speak to you and taking action to manifest your true heart's desire that's the first step i like that i like i like i like the idea of taking that action because so so much of us we don't trust what we get um oh. I, you know, it, it is the hardest thing it's like you know that like you said that wisdom 
that image, that word, it's telling you, it's like you're saying, it's the heart, it's that this is what your heart desires. But we, how many of us out there right now don't take any action on it? It's like, they just kind of whatever, but it doesn't make sense. Sometimes logically our brain gets in a way we're trying to make sense of it, but we're not taking action because we're trying to still figure it out. You know, yeah. but I, I really like that. And I really appreciate you doing that for the audience there too, as well, just to give them a little bit of technique and is to do that. What other techniques can we do? Uh, I, I, you know, I talk about uh, journaling too and writing things down um, is like, sometimes I'll just like, if you got thoughts or things happening today, just write them down. You can always come back to it. Um, what is your take on journaling, especially when it comes to beliefs and writing down certain things? Is that uh, something that you do too as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I would say is one, the permission that you were talking about, or the, I'm not allowed to trust what I feel. It's almost like we have to give ourselves permission for it to be correct. Yeah. That idea comes from the fact that we have, we don't trust it and we have to give it permission comes from the concept of we're not allowed to question it. We just have to blindly believe. And so that goes way back to the beginning where we're talking about ask questions, be curious and take action and see what happens. Um, what I would say on journaling, um, what I would say is to get a candle or a particular incense, get a smell because smell can bring you your memory it plays into your memory really quickly and so set aside some time with that you want to journal i would light that incense or candle so that that smell starts identifying with i am meditating i am journaling and you return to that spot so it's not so difficult to get back into that meditative state so you're almost like you're retraining your subconscious a bit to just recognize okay this is the time yeah We're you're good. giving it you're giving, you're building a new neural pathway so that it knows where you're headed. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And then what you're doing is you're taking, you write your heart, your thoughts, do whatever type of writing. I love how open you are about writing, write down your curiosity, write down your questions. And I used to do this. I used to write down my questions. I wonder why the grass is green and the sky is blue or whatever. And then the next thing I'd be journaling three days later, the sky is blue because it's an infinite void of mystery. And, and I'd be like, wait a second. I asked a question and somehow the universe showed me the answer a few days later. That's a fun technique. But this is what I would say moreover to journaling. A thought is a thing. It is an energy. All is energy. This is not metaphysics. This is science. This is Einstein. Thoughts have energy. Energy will, when it's spoken or written, it starts leveling up a little bit. It's the next level beyond okay. a thought. Now it is a higher vibration, a stronger vibration. The more that you do that energy begins to cluster. This is how I see it. It begins to cluster and build something instead of just free form thoughts that are floating around. Now they're starting to build things. You know, what comes out of energy clusters material. Mm. Okay. So I like that matter so the more that you beyond thinking if you can write it down 
and then read it out loud to yourself in a quiet nook, it solidifies it. And you will begin to trust what the creator created you to be more and more. You'll begin to understand it a little bit more. Sometimes it's hard. You know, as we begin, we're just like, well, that didn't make any sense. It's like, well, it does, but we're not understanding it in the right way. We have to learn how to, oh, when I saw that it actually was a metaphor for this, we have to exercise that. So I would say that writing things down helps it take that thought of energy and actually puts it into action on a physical piece of paper. It ups the energy and it's now a, starting to be a cluster where okay. then the cluster can create. That's how I, it's a little quantum physics for you. No, I, I mean, I love it. And I know my audience would love it too. It's like, you know, it's so important that, you know, your thoughts are, you know, your thoughts matter because they become matter. Like that whole idea too, as well. I need a t-shirt, Michael. I need a t-shirt. Thoughts matter because they become matter. There you go. I'll take 10% on that one there. Whatever, whatever you sell. I love that. I love that. Thoughts matter because they become matter. Oh, I love that. I'm sorry to throw you off. That was just, no, no, it was, you know, that's, you know, I've heard that quote. I don't know where I heard that quote, but I, I, it makes sense. It could be an Einstein thing too, because I love Einstein. I love a lot of those deep philosophers and different people out there, you know, I learning so much and uh, you know, it's funny, my beliefs change. Sometimes I don't even know what I believe anymore because I feel like it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing, you know, because I grew up in a Christian household too. So I was, you know, always indoctrinated in that, you know, Roman Catholic, you know, this is how life is and stuff like that. But as, as the years go on, I like, again, just questioning things and I'm still questioning things these days. I, you know, people ask me, do you have the answer to this? Do you know this? And I'm going, no, because I still don't, I'm still trying to figure out there's just so much out there to wrap your head around sometimes. But I still love to learn. Like one of the things I really struggled with when I was a young man, was well, even in high school, is I had a really bad learning disability. I never really talked about it, but I had a hard time comprehending, very, very much dyslexic. And I had a hard time reading. But now I'm a book junkie. Like, you know, I got rid of so many books. I like my library was stacked for so many years. And I just said, I, I got to get rid of these books because I was moving all the time because, you know, most of my, most of my, stuff that I had in the apartment was basically books. So I had to, you know, start donating all the time, but I just absolutely love reading. I love learning. I love, you know, interesting stories too, as well as, especially from people like yourself, you know, we talk about separation, but there's so much interconnectedness within each other. And I know you talk about that in your book too, as well, about how we're more similar than we are different. Yes. I love that you said that there is always more that you are discovering because that's why this is belief being and beyond. You're talking about the beyond. There's always more. So we are more similar than we are different. This is interesting because when we believe that we're so different, we start we stop seeing the interconnected interconnectivity between us sociably, intellectually, and then we stop seeing the similarities between us energetically. And we split apart and we can no longer work as a unit, which we were created to be this beautiful organism, you know, in this galaxy and all of that. So what I did with this book, 
and I would love for you guys to, to check it out, Belief Being and Beyond by Granddaughter Crow. What I did within this book is almost like a comparative religion, and I bumped it up against science as well. So we look at things from maybe a Navajo point of view. We look at things from a Christianized Catholic point of view. We look at it from maybe a Mayan or a Hindu point of view, and then we look at it from science. So what is it that we're looking at? Well, what I can say is there are like four main questions that mankind continues to ask the more that we become aware of who we are and that we are actually human. First question, where did I come from? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Second question, what am I doing here? And, and if I do something wrong, how do I cleanse myself or whatever? And, you know, third, for, third question, who is my savior? Who is my hero? Who am I supposed to emulate? What does good look like? And then fourth question, where do I go when I die? Yeah, that's the big one. Everybody, you know, those first two ones, like the bookend ones, where I come from and where am I going? You know, doing this sort of work for years, that's, you know, people always ask me, so where do we go? And I said, I don't know. Like, I know we go, we go on to the other side, but where is the other side? I haven't experienced that. I've had a lot of people on my show that have experienced that and come back and they've talked about it. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have that neural pathway. I don't have that experience to really understand it. And it's only from what I understand, it's just a very minute understanding of the bigger picture. We only see, yeah. even if we go on the other side, you're still not seeing everything. There's still right. more levels and multi dimensions and all this crazy stuff. Like it just. Yeah. So within those four questions, especially like you said, the bookends, um, we as a human race, it, it, from science to mythology to philosophy to you know, we religion, we are trying to address these questions, and there is a similarity in how we address them. In science, it says energy cannot be created nor destroyed; it simply changes. Oh, in religion, it says that we go to heaven or hell or to the afterlife. Oh, well, those are similar. We're on to something here, guys, you know, and it's just kind of interesting because when we realize that we're, we're all asking the same question and we're getting similar, but different. I mean, science has floods, the, you know, the biblical Noah and the flood, there is a flood within uh, the Navajo legends and lore. There's a flood, I believe, within the Mayan or the, the Hindu. And it's just like, how come we're all talking about floods before the internet connected us? Because something happened. And so being able to stop going, well, no, it's Buddha. No, I call him Jesus. No, it's Hail Freya and Odin. It's like, okay, you guys, quit looking at that we are seeing the diamond from different sides and realize we're all looking at the diamond. Mm. And if we can collectively tell each other what we see, then we will see more. So it's kind of like, have you ever heard about, I think it's like the five blind men and the elephant? No, I never heard that story. So basically five blind men stand before an elephant and each of them go up and touch the elephant. And then they all go, okay, okay, I know the elephant. They go back and they talk about, oh yeah, the elephant, it's like a tree trunk. 
And the other guy goes, no, it's not. It's like a snake. It's like a snake. What are you talking about? It's like a big leaf. No, it's not. It's like this huge body. And it's like, and they argued and they argued. No, it's not. It's a rope. They argued and they walked away, not trusting each other, thinking that they knew best. When in truth, if they would have sat around, they all collectively felt the entire elephant. I like that. That I like. Oh, I'm gonna write that one down. Well, I got it on tape now, so I um, tape. I got it on video tape. You can tell how old I am. I uh, I got it on I know, tape me now. Too. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah. that's what happens when you're in your fifties, right? Like some, yeah. you know, it's like, what are they talking about? Tape? What do you mean? Yeah, we used to have these things called tapes. Yeah. We used to have these things called records. You know, let's well, just yeah. Funny enough, people are starting to like go back into records now. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll say something like, "Do you remember that eight track?" And I was like, "What?" Right. You remember yeah. what, like VHS, rotary dials, like all this oh, technology? Absolutely. I think it's Absolutely. funny, but I love that. I love that story. And you know what? It's so much, it's, it's so much being human. You know what I mean? That story is like how we, you know, we've gone through the ages and we still do that. And it's really my hope that, you know, we can finally turn it around like that, you know, and I'm really happy that you brought, you brought that wisdom there. So me too, me yeah. too. And that's, so that's, if, if that's part to, of it. Yeah. If you had to, you know, give a little bit of wisdom and information to my listeners right now, you know, it's just something that they can take away with, you know, listening to this for the last, you know, hour or so, what would it be? Mm. Oh, I wish the world for all of you. So if you wish it for yourself, maybe you'll get it, that kind of a thing. I think that what I would say is, no matter where you are, quit thinking that you're on a right or a wrong path and realize that you are in a meadow, a meadow that you can run and play in, a meadow that you are not on the path or off the path, that you are not good or evil, that you are not right or wrong. Find yourself in the meadow as a child and explore. And you don't have to tell everybody that you are curious and that you're exploring in this meadow because at the end of the day, that which created you, created you to be curious within the meadow. But it is only mankind that tells you, you are good and evil, you are right or wrong, you are bad. In the natural world, the human race is the only organism that has concepts such as, I am not good enough, I am unlovable, I am wrong, I am bad. When I go out into the natural world, I ask the tree kingdom, who is not good enough? And it does not understand what I'm asking. It is not a concept. I go out and ask the flowers, who is more lovely and who is more deserving of love? And are you deserving of love? They don't understand the question because that's not a concept. So if the human race is the only organism on the face of this earth that believes that we're not good enough, we are not worthy, we are right or wrong, maybe that was a program. Maybe that wasn't organic. Wow. I love that. That was beautiful. And it's, and it's so true. Like, you know, you know, we have, we have the, such as we have the, great capacity to do extraordinary amazing things but sometimes we just don't do it we we really kind of just lost ourselves and we're just trying to get back and you know but the great thing is i do have the faith i see people that you know they're 
they're really looking deep within themselves to get the answers. They're really connecting with the deeper consciousness and understanding those, healing those wounds, you know, those deep wounds and just doing that. And I love, you know, I always say that I love a person who's willing to take that courage and go within and to heal themselves and to start their journey, you know, and empower themselves like you do all the time is empowering people, giving them them giving them the opportunity to find that courage to become that authentic self and just to do, to live and be free of themselves and to be joyous. And, and again, it's that expression of joy. Like you say, it's contagious yes. and that's what we want. We want that, we want that contagious joy. We want to have that and have that in our lives and, you know, spread it to all those who are out there and help the next person, you know, yes. help that person who's suffering because you've been through that suffering now you can help that other person who may be around you that, you know, needs that help, needs that encouragement to start asking those questions and start empowering that. So Granddaughter Crow, for all those who are listening there, where can they find you? So if they wanted to, you know, talk to you, uh, get your book, uh, any seminars, teachings, things like that, where can they find you, please? Very easy. Um, www.granddaughtercrow.com. On that, you will find a page where I have all of the books and all the books that I've contributed to. I have more coming up in the future, which doesn't have a release date yet. Uh, um, do we have a Do we have a title yet? Maybe you can give us. Oh, uh, we have a working title. I will just say that I'm working on two different books. Okay may take about a year and a half for each of them to come into fruition however one of them is the ability to work with your shadow Ooh, you're going deep absolutely i'm Love. a raven i'm a crow and you know it's 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 a beautiful thing when we befriend our shadow and understand what it is doing and why it is there when we only when we ignore it does it doesn't disappear it just comes out sideways so how to actually embrace it to live a powerful and creative life. And then there's another book within me that is um, it's about half done. And it's about looking at the internal narrative. Where did that narrative come from? Okay. And challenging it to change it, to live the most empowered life that you want to live. So if my internal narrative says I am not good enough because I left this church or whatever, I will continue to believe that. And if I believe that my behavior will be as such and I produce that life. So this is actually going back to the whole recording. What what story is playing? What narrative is playing in my mind that I keep continuing to do? Let me examine it. And if I feel like I need to change it, how do I do it? So it's changing the internal narrative. Wow. So yeah, hopefully I'll be able to pop back on and talk to you listeners about that. Yeah, that sounds um, fantastic. Yeah. And then on my website, www.granddaughtercrow.com, you will have links to my YouTube channel, social media, etc. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions and right now they are on sale and we can do Zoom or phone. And um, I also teach a class on Sundays. It is called The Circle, where we learn, share, and grow. I give a 30, 35, 40-minute presentation on a spiritual topic. And then we kind of collectively commune. So if you're looking for a group like that, check out The Circle. And if it intrigues you, um, so be it. Join up. Uh, at the end of the day, I am here 
to inspire, to encourage, to empower you to be your authenticity. Every single thing that I do, that is what I'm doing. Whether I'm talking to you one-on-one, -on, -one, on this beautiful podcast, or in a book, that is my goal. That is my mission. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful mission, and I'm so grateful that you're on. So I'll have um, all Granddaughter Crow's information in the uh, description below. So if you're scrolling through and you want to know all the information, it'll be on the bottom. If you just, you know, scroll down a bit, you know, go move your finger just a little bit down there and you'll see all that information, all the contact information. So you can contact granddaughter crow, um, you know, find your books, all that good stuff. So again, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was absolutely oh. beautiful. I really appreciate it. Oh, you know, be you be your greatness as only you can be and live the best life on purpose. Beautiful. Love that. And that being said, I'm just going to close off the podcast here. This has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye for now.